This Washington Post Live podcast is sponsored by Wounded Warrior Project, honoring and empowering post-9-11 veterans. You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. Comedian and longtime veterans advocate John Stewart and Wounded Warrior Project Director of Government Affairs Derek Braunaberger joined the Washington Post to discuss their efforts on behalf of veterans facing health consequences from exposures to burn pits. Let's listen. This is David Ignatius, a columnist of the Washington Post. I'm back with you again for the second segment of our three-part discussion of veterans' health issues. Uh, here with me in this segment, we have uh, Derek Fronenbarger, who is the Legislative Affairs Director, Government Affairs Director of the Wounded Warrior Project, which uh, is sponsoring this program, and John Stewart, the well-known, I said earlier, legendary uh, host of The Daily Show, who's also very active in veterans affairs uh, and has, has come to see this as a key uh, issue he wants to, to speak up about. John, if I may, I want to start with, with you. You uh, were active in trying to help 9-11 first responders and the health issues they had after that uh, tragedy. And in a similar way, it seems you've decided to get involved in this issue. Tell us a little bit about why and why it motivates you to get to get into. Uh, so after uh, we we worked uh, with a gentleman named John Field, the Feel Good Foundation, for many years uh, to try and address the health issues uh, post 9-11, uh, where first responders and the community were having a lot of difficulties with their health, but they were having to advocate uh, against the government who was not believing that there was a connection between the toxic uh, exposures that they had been faced in 9-11 and the health problems they were having now. And what we found is it's a very analogous situation to what the veterans are facing today with their, not just the burn pit exposures, but all kinds of toxic exposures. So what happened was John Feel and I uh, were contacted by a woman named Rosie Torres from a group called Burn Pit 360. Uh, she had seen the work that had been done during the Zadroga Act, and she had been running this organization for a decade. Her husband, Leroy, was deployed in Iraq. Uh, I believe he was uh, in Bilal, and when he was downrange, he was next to a 10-acre burn pit. And wouldn't you know it, when he came back, he is suffering from uh, a tremendous amount of, of lung and pulmonary issues directly related to uh, his burn pit exposures. He was a a state trooper in in Texas, I believe, and was unable to do some of the tasks that he needed to do as a state trooper because of the health conditions. So they had him resign. He's been fighting for years now for benefits based on the exposures that he received to the burn pits in Iraq, the Texas Supreme Court just declined to even take up his case. So you've got uh, thousands of veterans and their families in, once again, returning from war, facing a tremendous health crisis due to toxic exposures or traumatic brain injuries, and having to battle their own government to get those conditions uh, recognized. So we felt like what had been done with Zadroga was a really good template. And so uh, what we did is uh, John and I reached out with Rosie's help 
to Senator Gillibrand's office and to Derek, and we put together that uh, coalition of veterans, uh, VSOs, dating all the way back to Vietnam to, to present day. We all got together uh, and, and met in Washington and had been meeting on a, a continued basis and had been planning on rolling out uh, what we felt were uh, appropriate legislative uh, remedies to these situations. Obviously, COVID and everything else has, has made it a lot more difficult, but I think what the team uh, is presenting now is a stopgap, and it will certainly help, and it will help save lives until we get, I think, what we need, which is presumption and, and a change in the way that we go to war. If you can't take care of uh, those that are injured and, and uh, face health issues from war, if we're going to make them fight our wars and then come home and fight for their lives, that, that has to change. That's just a model that has to change. So thanks for that powerful summary. Let me turn to Derek and ask Derek if he'd explain a little bit what John and Senator Tillis were, were talking about, about the presumption of care and how you'd like to see that uh, work in terms of legislation and really, I guess, the whole mindset of how our approach to veterans health care works. No, uh, David, that's a great question. Uh, and thank you for that. Um, I think there's a misperception in the general public where if you're a veteran, you automatically have VA health care. And that's actually not the case. Uh, there is actually a very complex um, formula and process to actually get into the hospital at VA once you get out of the military. Uh, so when you get out, uh, generally what you have to do is you have to show that your injury or your illness or your disability was due to service. Uh, and that's not as easy as it sounds. Um, if, for example, you're missing your left arm, you can show the doctor when you're going through that process, it's called the CMP process, which can take anywhere between eight months to a year, that while you lost your left arm, here's the paperwork uh, from the military, and it's hard for them to say that that didn't actually happen while you were deployed. Um, the, the difficulty with rare illnesses and toxic exposure is you have an individual who was around a burn pit for two years, um, and they now have lung cancer, but while they're reviewing your file for the, the, the eight months to a year that it takes to approve or deny you, they notice that you also smoked for two years. So now there's no way to really know, was it the smoking or was it the burn pit that caused the cancer? Um, and unfortunately, what we're seeing is a lot of individuals are being denied access to healthcare because the barrier of entry is to set up that CMP exam and be approved um, for you to actually get healthcare. So what we're actually really pushing for, and if we had to sum up our message in, in one, one blip, it would be much to what John Stewart said, while we are looking at the compensation and disability exam process, we need to give healthcare to veterans to save their lives. Um, that is a misperception that everybody can just go and get healthcare. Um, and really we're, we're trying to, to be a little bit more proactive in saying, you shouldn't have a barrier of entry to try and live longer. Um, you really need to, to be able to have that benefit, uh, that healthcare benefit right off the bat if needed. And Der Derek, let me ask you the, the same question I asked this Senator Tillis, that's a, a profound interest of vets around the country. D do vets who may have been exposed to these uh, burn pits, other toxic exposures, do they have a special uh, risk uh, of COVID-19? 
So I would say that, you know, scientifically, we're not sure if you're at a higher risk of contracting COVID-19 if you're around a burn pit, but I would say it, it would be a, not a big step to say if you have deteriorated lung capacity and you are then infected by the COVID-19 virus, that there is the possibility you'll have additional complications. Um, the team coalition did actually push forward uh, a letter um, to the Senate Armed Force uh, Committee um, to try and say if you're getting treatment for COVID-19 at a DOD base or at a VA hospital, they really should ask whether or not you were around a burn pit. That does two things. It starts tracking the issue of whether or not um, you are at a higher risk for complications, but it also gets the doctor and the veteran thinking about other alternatives and other things that they might not have thought about um, if you were affected. Um, so definitely, you know, I would recommend if, you, if you're at a high risk for COVID-19 and you're around a burn pit, you, you should be proactive in letting your physician know that. So, uh, John, I, uh, I, much as we'd all like to pull you back into the days of The Daily Show, uh, no way. But I do want to ask you a little bit about politics. We're living through an incredible period of, of disruption mm -hmm. and, and maybe of change. Uh, we've, we've got this global pandemic. We have the most intense uh, discussion and sometimes controversy about, about racial justice issues that we've had in, in, in many decades. What do you, what's your sense of, of things? Is this a period where you uh, feel uh, hopeful about the direction we're going? Uh, is this a, a moment where you feel that uh, Democrats who were trying to prepare for the November elections uh, have clearly defined issues or need to do more definition? Uh, well, I, I'm always hopeful uh, for the country because I've, I've spent so much time with people like Derek uh, and people like Rosie Torres and people like uh, John Field of the Field Foundation who are the, the, the real advocates that are out there working on a day-to-day -day basis to improve the lives of uh, veterans and first responders and, and obviously for for all different issues and, and the different advocates, but you know, and I think uh, there'll certainly be plenty of time to, to discuss that. But I think what's difficult about the veterans issue is that so few people in this country serve. It's such a small percentage of the population and their issues are oftentimes purposefully hidden from the general population. We're, we've gotten really, really good in this country at saying we support the military and we put on the flag pin and we thank them for their service and we give them that 10% coupon at appetizers for chilies. But the truth is, structurally, we have not done enough to address the wounds of war that they come home with, whether they be brain injury, uh, PTS, uh, uh, or these toxic exposures. The system is set up to deny them the benefit. A great example, you know, when we're, we're talking about burn pits, one of the great delay methods is to say, well, we don't have the science yet. When are you going to have the science? Well, we got to study it for 20 to 25 years. Well, by then, a lot of these people will have died and their families will have been left without a, a, a provider, uh, without a caregiver, without a husband without a wife, without a son, without a mother, without a father. So uh, we don't, they don't have the time for that. And that's a delaying method anyway. For instance, what did they use in the burn pits to get rid of all these materials? They used jet fuel. 
Well, at the, uh, the World Trade Center, what burned those materials? Jet fuel. We have 20 years of science on what these toxic exposures did to the lungs and, and organs of the uh, first responders and construction workers and survivors uh, down at ground zero. The science is there. We deny them their benefits because of cost. And if we've got the money to go to war, we have to make sure we have the money to take care of people when they come home from war. So, John, before we leave this uh, part of the uh, segment, I just want to note you, you've got a new movie coming out, The Irresistible, and, and you, you've got an interesting interview coming up in uh, a yeah. competing publication, The New York Times, uh, in their I'm magazine uh, coming up in a week. And in that interview, you say something really quite uh, interesting, which is that we should be careful about uh, blaming the police separate from the rest of society. You talk at one point about how the police act as a kind of border police between the separate parts of our country. Say a little more about that before we just end this this segment, if you would. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate that. It's it's an awfully complicated issue, and I'm I I, I don't necessarily feel like comfortable with this as a a, a forum to uh, address it. Perhaps we'll have a chance to talk about it again uh, at another moment. And I certainly do appreciate. Uh, the Washington Post and you uh, giving us a forum to try and address uh, these veterans issues. Um, so I'm I'm going to demure on that, but I but I do hope that we we have an opportunity in the in the proper way to uh, to really address it in a, a more in depth manner. But um, the only thing I'll say is, and, and uh, Derek, I think you know will agree. Derek's done an amazing job at bringing together uh, this incredible coalition. I mean, David, we're talking about veterans from the Vietnam era talking about the struggle that they faced with Agent Orange exposures and still having thousands and thousands of claims going in and maybe 70 to 80 percent of them being denied. This is still Agent Orange. And then you're talking about Gulf War syndrome and then you're talking about K2 and Lejeune and, you know, from, from my mind, I, I would like to see uh, uh, you know, the people that profit off of war have to kick in for the people that suffer from the effects of it. So, and I, I know this is probably controversial, but I believe that in the way that oil and gas companies have to kick in a 10% contingency on spills, I think war profiteers should kick in a 10% contingency plan that so that Derek and the VSOs and the frontline uh, workers and veterans don't have to always come hat in hand begging for money because their brothers and sisters are still dying from the things that they saw and faced in in downrange war zones. That's that's so. John, with me, uh, as as we say in my business, I think that's the lead. Um, I want to thank you for joining us. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.